everybody. Welcome to Pour Over the Pages. I'm your co-host, Ashley. And I'm Brayden. In this podcast, we're going to talk about craft beers and books, both things which we like a lot. A lot. Very much so. <laughs> now, this is our first episode. So the plan for this podcast is that each episode, we're going to try a new craft beer and we're going to talk about something book related. So what we have planned for you today is sharing our top five books of 2020. Braden and I have both picked out our top five, and we're also going to share our absolute favorite out of those top five. So it's pretty exciting because we haven't told each other what these are yet either. So it's going to be a surprise. I have a feeling I know a couple though, but I'm not going to spoil it. Well, yeah, Braden tells me that he already told me his top five, but I'm not sure. I vaguely remember this, but I think it'll be a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, first, we're going to talk about the craft beer that we're drinking. Um, Today, I have something called the Canuck Pale Ale by uh, Great Lakes Brewery. Now, I'm in Ontario, and Ashley's up in Whitehorse in the Yukon. So she's going to have pretty vastly different craft beers, which I think is pretty exciting, and it's going to be pretty different. But I was under a lot of pressure today because I wasn't thinking ahead, and I basically just picked up the first craft beer I found, and I was left with this. So fingers crossed, and let's hope that it's good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to be drinking a tried-and-true classic by Russell Brewing Company from somewhere in BC. Not entirely sure where, but this is the Orange Dreamsicle Sour, and it really does taste like an Orange Dreamsicle, so I'm really excited to continue drinking this today during our podcast. Dreamsicle as in creamsicle? Yeah, on a, I don't know. I think so. It's Maybe it's just a dreamy creamsicle. I'm not sure. It's delicious. It's very dreamy. <laughs> it's very dreamy. <laughs> is it creamy or is it dreamy? <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's the beers we got. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and open them. And at the end of the episode, we'll give you our true and tried review of the beverages. Virtual audio cheers. Mm, that's good. I'm pouring mine into a cup because I'm a classy, classy guy. Oh, that is classy. Oh, now I feel inferior. If you don't have cups for your beers, uh, I, sh- I, S my, S, S- I, uh, I shake my head at you. SMH? Is that what you're looking for? SMH <laughs> <laughs> you. SMH you. So, other than that, I guess we just. Do we just get into our list? Like, I, like, is there anything else you would like to say for the first episode? I mean, I figured we could talk about what we're currently reading. So what are you currently reading, Brayden? Tell us oh, about it. Yes, yes. <clears throat> what I'm currently reading, I, hold on, I need to get it because I'm going to butcher the name if I don't get it. <clears throat> I'm going to butcher it regardless. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. <laughs> um, Have faith. Don't worry. I'm reading, I know the title, but the author name, I'm sorry. I'm reading uh, The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. Chakraborty? Chakra... Chakraborty? I'm really sorry. Um, But that's what I'm reading. Ashley, what are you reading? I'm reading the same thing. We are reading this together for our monthly book club that just includes (laughs) the two of us. (laughs) Every month, Ashley and I will be buddy reading a book together, and then we'll probably talk about the buddy read 
on the podcast together. Um, we don't really have any other members to our book club right now, <clears throat> but <laughs> if we get more members, maybe they can join us and talk about the books as well on the podcast. But for now, you'll have to suffer with just the two of us. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't know anything about City of Brass, it's a great high fantasy. It's actually categorized as epic fantasy. Did you see that on the back? Or you don't? You have uh, the Kindle version, so you yes, don't have the back. Yes, I am a ebook sellout. <laughs> Fake reader. <Sorry. laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I'm not like, opposed to Kobo's or Kindles. Yes, she is. I just like the feel of a physical book, but I see why people would appreciate an e-reader. It's It's convenient. You don't need a nightlight. You can travel thousands of books one place. Get with the future, people. Don't be stuck in the past. Listen, okay, you're an analog boy yourself, so don't come for me. Uh, I do like paper books, I won't lie, but only big floppy boys, okay? I don't like mass paper books they don't flop they're hard to keep open you can't really bend them you know i do know i do but if you don't know anything about the city of brass as i was saying <laughs> back a while ago um yeah it is a fantasy book that's based on a lot of middle eastern mythology and follows our main character nari um as she is in cairo and sort of like a thief and this healer and she finds out that she has some abilities that she didn't realize and some magical tendencies and she may be a descendant from a distant fantastical land and i'll leave it there because we're gonna have a full episode on this but check it out gotta keep it spoiler free but it's a it's very good so far based on what we have read so far i'm sure we could say pick it up if you're into fantasy or pick it up if you're into like different cultured types of fantasy. Like if you want something different from your cookie cutter European fantasy, I think this is where you want to be. This is a good option. I would definitely agree with that. Okay. So, Britain. Sorry, this is so bubbly. <laughs> Next stop, Carbonation Station, eh? Choo-choo. <laughs> Seriously, I'm dying over here. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start with your top five of the year? Or do you want to go back and forth? We're going to go back and forth. Okay. If you have the same book on your list, then say something. Just be like, oh, I have that too, and we can talk about it. Unless it's your favorite book, and then keep it for last. Okay, sounds good. And these are in no particular order, but we have picked like a fave out of the five. But otherwise, there's no order to these. It's hard to list favorites. I don't know. It's too much. I stand by my concept that it's like picking favorite children. It's impossible. Mm. Not that Mm. I have children and know what that's like, but (laughs) it's like picking your favorite plant of your plants, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I I, uh, completely agree with that statement. But I will start with my first book out of the five will be will actually be the ocean at the end of the lane by neil gaiman now i thought long and hard about this list and i just kept coming back to this book 
and it's just such a magical dark world and it's told so well and such a short story that i just it just stuck with me you know yeah so for a short summary this story is about a middle-aged man who returns to his childhood home for a funeral and is drawn back down to the farm at the end of the road when he comes back to this farm his memories of the past come flooding back to him including memories of his childhood friend letty hempstock there was always something strange and magical about letty and her farm and the memories that are coming back to our main character are strange and terrifying i know that's a pretty vague uh description of the book but i feel like that is necessary for you to go in and experience what the book has to tell you itself um darker than i thought it would be and just a story that stuck with me more than i thought it would stick with me and a quick read too right you said you read it in maybe a day I, or less. i read it super fast quick read not that long i think it runs like 200-ish pages. I could be wrong. Please don't quote me on any numbers that I give. Would recommend to anybody that likes fantasy, but not your typical fantasy. Once again, I feel like I'll say this a lot on this podcast. Yeah, that's my first Neil Gaiman book, too, and I feel like that's a crime, and I need to read more Neil Gaiman. I told Ashley to read this book, so I'm hoping that she'll read it this year as well. Yes, I currently have it from the library, so I'm hoping to read it soon. And we also have these beautiful editions at the bookstore I work at um, that are illustrated and bound in hardcover. They're gorgeous, so I think I might pick us up one of those. Mm, For the shelves. Yes. Yes. Well, I think I'm going to start things off here. I actually have two classics on this list, which I was surprised by. What? I know. Are you feeling okay over there? Honestly, it was a really good year for classics, which is surprising. Um, But yeah, the first book (laughs) I'm going to talk about is Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger. This, yes, Brayden knows what this is all about because I've talked Mm. to him about this a lot, I feel like. Um, But Franny and Zoe is... The lesser-known Salinger novel, it's really a collection of two novellas that were published in The New Yorker um, long ago when Salinger was in his prime. Um, I shouldn't say long ago. It wasn't that long ago. But um, basically, it's two novellas wrapped into one book, and they follow two people who are in the same family. So Franny is the sister, and she's in university, and the first novella is following her as she's coming back on a train to see her boyfriend and they go out to this posh dinner and he's sort of bombarding her with all of his achievements at his own university and um, going on about how intelligent he is and how he's going to do all these great things in the academic world and she's sort of sitting there and you're reading about her thoughts as she's drinking her tea and getting so bored that her cigarette starts to burn her fingers and she It's pretty melodramatic and um, escapes this conversation eventually. But Salinger is just really great at writing witty banter, and it was hilarious. Um, And then Zoe, the other novella, basically takes place almost entirely in a bathtub where Franny's brother is lying 
and reading this letter about how his sister is kind of having this episode of melancholy and he's ranting to his mother about how he needs to like do better in supporting her and how he's trying to get his acting career off the ground and they're just bantering back and forth and it's hilarious it was just so funny and I was really surprised to find a classic funny and so that's one of the reasons I love this book and it's just a fast read and just a thoroughly enjoyable time the much far far superior Salinger book in my opinion mm, yeah unpopular opinion uh catcher in the rye meh meh for me i don't know about everybody else but for me it's meh uh, i do want to read um the, what is it called sorry franny and zoe franny and zoe yes oh my god Brandon, get with it <laughs> it's okay <clears throat> but i'm actually surprised to see it see it in your five because honestly like i know i knew you liked it but i i didn't know that you liked it that much out of the like almost 60 books that you read this year i'm just surprised that it, it would be that high in your opinion um i think yeah it was it just it really made me laugh and it, it takes a lot for a book to make me laugh like, multiple times throughout yeah, and I, I agree with that. It was just, I'm not typically a huge dialogue person. I'm more like world development and atmospheric books that aren't super heavy on dialogue. But this book kind of changed my opinion on that a little bit. And it was just so well written, really witty. And I was inspired to read it because of that movie, Carrie Pilby. And so that that's the only reason I picked it up. It's one of my favorite, favorite movies that I watched this year about this super nerdy awkward girl who goes to harvard and loves this book and i was like i want to read that book and i'm glad i did <laughs> nice yeah i definitely need to check it out to maybe redeem salinger for myself you know yeah i think it will do it for you i think you'll also think it's really funny we do have very similar reading tastes you will probably find that out within like within the podcast episodes <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> but also can differ a lot as well but usually we're pretty we're pretty on level with each other of what we think is good and what we don't think is good especially this year because like if i feel like if brayden could inject himself with like sci-fi and fantasy he would because he loves it and i didn't wasn't a huge fantasy reader before this year but that changed so now we align even more i think i don't see us disagreeing too much but you never know in the future <laughs> you never know <laughs> you never know lots of books to be read but yes let's hear your second book i'm excited to hear all right second book second book uh to to no surprise it is another fantasy book <laughs> <laughs> one that has taken me uh too long to read uh it's gonna be uh, the Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Now, Brandon Sanderson is like the Superman of fantasy, right? He's, uh, everybody loves him, I think. I don't know anybody that doesn't love him. I love him for his personality, and I also love him because he also loves Magic the Gathering, which is another thing that I love. So. Shameless plug to Magic the <laughs> Gathering. <laughs> um continue anyways, uh, so i don't know why it took me so long to start reading sanderson because i've been admiring him from afar 
for so long and i just i'd always read like not so popular fantasy series and stuff so i just started reading the more popular ones so i started with mistborn by brandon sanderson the first book the final empire as i just said so why did i like this book well the characters in my opinion are one of the most well-written characters like that i've ever read like the main character vin to the other to to the group of thieves that she joins kelsier the leader of them being so charismatic and just so fun and positive but clearly having a darker past just really resonated with me and the whole it's like all based on like a heist but it's a heist that has so much more meaning than just taking something that's not theirs and honestly i don't i think the the first book could have been like a one-off for me because i thought it was that good the ending you could have just ended it and just been like that's the story and i would have been like that was amazing but thankfully there's more to the story and yes i've finished the rest of the trilogy now and i think it's an amazing trilogy and i can't wait to read more sanderson ashley and i have a stormlight archive on our list uh for this year to get into that yes. goliath of a fantasy series that we are sleeping on before it gets too late <laughs> but i just it's so well written and the magic system is so unique and so thought out it uses it's like it uses metals as a magic system and each metal has its own its own purpose and only these people called misborns can use the allomantic powers like all the allomantic powers and they're few and far between and it's just it's just really good you know <laughs> it's just a really good book the relationships are <laughs> so good and the ending of the first book almost brought tears to my eyes and that just doesn't happen to me with books really i am a soft a soft little emotional boy sometimes <laughs> But Which is books, okay. We support that. We love that. <laughs> but books don't usually make me feel like that. And this one, like a fantasy out of all of them, really, really tugged on the heartstrings. And uh, I recommend this series to everybody. If you want to, if you want to get, it's such a good, I feel like it's a very good beginner fantasy series. It's a trilogy. It's only three books. Yes, they're semi, they're like pretty long for fantasy books, like six to 700 pages each. But it reads fast. The world building is just beautiful. The, the politics are interesting. And the end goal is beyond what you could think of from the first book. So, yeah, my, my second book is The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. That's awesome. Um, and you took a writing course from Sanderson. Was it Sanderson that that course was from this year? Uh, where does he work? Uh, he does um, writing lectures at a university and i can't remember what the university is off the top of my head but he posts all of them on youtube after so it's a free source of learning how to like learning writing techniques that he uses and stuff and i think that's just awesome and he has his own youtube channel where he does he will post videos of like shorter videos of like how he comes up with 
magic systems or how he comes up with character development and like it's all super helpful and free on youtube if you guys are interested in learning from what i who i think is one of the probably one of the greatest fantasy writers of all time so it's out there we can probably link the youtube channel in the show notes yeah oh yeah that's a good idea um yeah so what's your second book ashley i'm trying to decide (laughs) which one i want to reveal next um i think i'm gonna go ahead and talk about the poppy war by rf kwan which i feel like is also on your top five maybe brayden so it's uh i'm i didn't read the poppy war this year oh that's right that's right i read the poppy war last year so it's not on my list but i love that book so (laughs) (laughs) if i did read it this this year it a hundred percent would be on my list but i did not read it this year so it's not on my list unfortunately Fair enough. Yeah, so Brayden introduced me to the Poppy War. He sort of kept nudging it towards me and being like, hey, you should read this. Hey, you should read this. And then he started like pushing it towards me a little harder, being like, you should read this. And finally, I read it. And it was amazing. He was right in recommending it to me. Um, Super awesome grimdark fantasy about Rin, um, this main character. And it's based on... uh, what is the war that it's based on? Do you know the title? Um, no. Oh, I got it. So, uh, based on the Sino-Japanese war. And so, even though this is fantasy and fiction, obviously, RF Kuang um, has her master's and I believe is a PhD candidate for Asian studies or China studies specifically. Yeah, I think it's China Studies specifically. And she, in the back of the book, has this really complex uh, appendix referring to all the research and further reading if you want to know more about the history that this book refers to. So that was one of the things that I found most amazing was that even though it was fiction and super captivating and a great story, it was thoroughly researched and heavily based in reality and inspired by reality and real historical events. And so... That was one of the things that I loved about the Poppy War. Also, just a super strong female character. Obviously, it's a grimdark, so sometimes you're like, uh, why are you making this decision? I don't know if this is right. But <laughs> <laughs> I find it really interesting to watch how she grows and evolves over time. And there's a significant portion of this book. It's pretty much like the first third where she's just training and she's going to this military academy. Um, and it's very like if military and dark academia were to have a baby like that would be the first part of this book and i love <laughs> this part it was like my favorite part and um yeah so super awesome it's military heavy which i didn't think i was gonna like as much as i did but i think because there's just like a lot of good character development it's really atmospheric you can really picture the scenes well and i I came to enjoy the military aspects of it later on in the book, even though I wasn't expecting to. So yes, um, my second pick, The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang, 
definitely check it out. The whole trilogy's out now. Please support her. She's awesome. Also super funny on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> she's uh, one of my favorite uh, Twitter personalities, like as an author on, t- on Twitter. She's hilarious. She is. And she's so young. She wrote The Poppy War when she was 21 or 22, I think, right? When she was finishing her undergraduate degree, which is nuts and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Ashley was following uh, her on Twitter before she even uh, read the book. So that goes that says a lot. <laughs> That's OK. Give her a follow on Twitter. You won't regret it. Shameless plug again to RF Kwong's Twitter. OK, tell us about your second or third pick, Brayden. Yeah, my third pick. We're going to switch it up <clears throat> and I may have cheated a little bit. It's two books by the same author. OK. Okay, that's will, fine. Will, will you forgive me for that? Yeah, I'll forgive you. Brennan's always okay. technically two books, so it's fine. Okay, okay. So we got two books by Yoko Ogawa. I have The Memory Police, and I have The Housekeeper and The Professor. What do you think? I agree with you but i'm not gonna say anything about it because you'll see why (laughs) (laughs) um so i'll start with the housekeeper and the professor which is once again a very short read uh obviously translated from japanese it's just about it's a story of friendship and i'm a sucker for stuff like this okay it's just about a math professor who has a short-term, short-term memory of 80 minutes and a housekeeper and her son that takes care of them. And it's just the relationship that they build through them doing mathematical equations, which is like the only thing that he remembers, and they reintroduce themselves every morning, but the relationship still tends to build. And it's just like... It's just so nice. I mean, like, sometimes you need a break from, like like the craziness of like fantasy and all the melodramatic melodramatic stories and just just intense themes and sometimes you just need a little slice of the pie nice apple cherry blueberry whatever pie strawberry rhubarb whatever (laughs) makes your tummy warm and cozy right that's what this book did for me, okay? It's just so nice. And it's so well written. And it's just, um, I don't know, I can't really say anything else. But if you want a book about friendship, like a weird friendship, um, I guess, is it weird? Uh, I, it's pretty weird. <laughs> um, then read The Housekeeper and The Professor. And I think Yoko Ogawa has has a thing with... Uh, friendships between (laughs) like a more middle-aged woman and like an older man because that's a same thing that happens in the memory police as well and hotel iris her other book as well (laughs) yeah so i think i don't know if there's something personal going on there but i really like the relationship that between the two characters in memory police as well and um basically memory police a book also by Yoko Ogawa, and it's based on an island where items 
and I guess concepts. I don't know. Yeah, I would say concepts. Would you say concepts? concepts? Disappear. They disappear, yeah. and mo uh, like ninety percent probably of the of the inhabitants of the island are like oblivious to the change. They a hundred percent forget these items, but there's a few people that can retain the memory of these items and that's where the memory police comes in and they take these people away so that the so that these items can completely disappear and it's just a <clears throat> whirlwind of emotion and it really just just shows the power of memory and how traumatic loss can be for people now, i'm not going to go into much detail because i feel like i feel like somebody is going to want to talk about it a little bit later <laughs> <laughs> wow oh my gosh you're so intuitive <laughs> who would have thought but that that's my third pick two third picks um i want to read more of her books um because i have absolutely loved everything that i've read by this this author so far so yeah that's my third that's my third pick what's your third pick I so badly want to jump on that memory police talk, but we'll get to that. Um, so uh, my third pick is, I think I'm going to talk about The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. I don't think this should be a surprise. No. This is has become one of my favorite books, I think, of all time, um, which is not that original. A lot of people love The Bell Jar as a classic, especially a lot of women, and that's okay, because I think Sylvia Plath is a great author. And this book is beautifully written. I don't think that it's undeserving of all the attention that it gets because the thing that's, that I love the most about this book are like just the beautiful quotes that you can pull from it and like the metaphors that Sylvia Plath writes with. But essentially, this book follows a girl who's living in New York and she struggles with depression and it's sort of about her experience with that. And obviously, Sylvia Plath passed away Quite a long time ago now and so this was in a time when mental health wasn't recognized in the way that it is now and everyone just kind of approaches her experiences as like this spell of melancholy not uncommon to women and she has to go through this journey to understand what's happening to her and to uh, heal and it's beautiful the metaphors in this book are absolutely beautiful the fig tree quote is my favorite um and yeah, it's one that I think I'll reread multiple times and will stay with me for many years to come. And I'm looking forward to diving into more of Sylvia Plath's poetry and I want to read her unabridged journals this year. So my third pick, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. Um, yeah, no surprise there. If you knew Ashley and how much she talked about this book, you would. There's no, there's no surprise there. The only thing I thought... I didn't realize you read that this year. I could have sworn you read that like so long ago because of how much you've talked about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was early on this year, like way back pre-COVID, which feels like centuries ago. Like, um, like early January or something. <laughs> it must have been like January, February you read it. Yeah, it was January. It was like the beginning of January. I remember specifically because I was tutoring at the college and... There was no students because it was the beginning of the semester. So I would just sit there for like three hours while I was in the writing center reading the bell jar, waiting for students to come so I could help them. But uh, thankfully, I got a lot of reading time in January. So this is a fave of mine and a good read. Yeah, I, I want to read it. Um, 
just because of how much you've talked about it. So um, it's on my list of classics to read, which is a big list because sometimes I'm in the mood for classics and a lot of times I'm not. But I'll get to them eventually. Classics are... They're, they're an acquired Classics taste, Classics are you know? freaking classic, all right? There's nothing else to <laughs> say, okay? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's it's interesting because I feel like with classics, I, f- I think a lot of people pick them up, not, not excluding myself in the beginning when I started reading classics because you're like, classics are on all these reading lists of books you should read in your oh, lifetime. 100%. And I used to look up like syllabi from like different English courses because I didn't have any space to take English courses and I'd be like I'm just gonna read what's on this syllabus and so that's why I started reading them and it was kind of in the spirit of I feel like these will make me more educated and I've tried to drop that mentality and just pick up the classics that I'm genuinely interested in because obviously it makes it a way better experience but yes um what is your fourth pick Brayden? All right, so I threw you on a loop last time. I said, no fantasy. Well, meh. Memory police, it's negotiable. A little sci-fi, I think. But It's speculative, I think, which encompasses sci-fi. But yeah, yeah. continue. Uh, we're going back, back on track, all right? <laughs> we're not straying from the path. And we're going with The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie. It's, now, uh, I'm just going to say that this book, it's just great. And I tried to explain to Ashley about like what it's about. <laughs> it's and I couldn't really do a great job. But <laughs> it's very character driven. And they have it's just like has so many well written characters that do so many things that you're like, please stop doing that, but I love you at the same time. It's almost like Rin from the Poppy War series. But, like, a bunch of them. It's a grim, dark fantasy. The world is dark. The world is violent. Like, all the characters are doing, like, unlikable acts. Like, there's... But I can't help but still like the characters. So you have a bunch of very well-written characters who you follow. And they're all linked in a way. But you don't really know what the end goal is yet. There's wars happening... There's conflict inside the government, if you could call it a government. Probably a lack of better word, but I'm going to call it a government. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really interesting. And Joe Abercrombie has created a dark and twisted world that you can just get lost in with like some of the most interesting dark characters that I've read thus far. But that's all I can really say about it. Um, if you like Grimdark, listen, this is like the most popular Grimdark series out there. Uh, if you like Grimdark, read it if you haven't read it. It's great. It's evil. It's wonderfully dark and twisted and full of bad things <laughs> just if you're into that stuff which i am uh i'm guilty as charged i love that stuff then just just give it a read it's a wonderful book do you feel like you like grimdark characters because they seem more real because i feel like with so many books like you have your protagonist 
and everything's going right for them. Like they may experience conflict, but it ultimately just works out for them in the end. And they have a lot of really great personality traits going for them. But I feel like with Grimdark, you really see how characters can be led astray. Do you think that's why you like them? Or do you just like the dark aspect? I think, okay, but I'm going to say a little bit of both, right? I 100% think that grim, like Grimdark characters a little, feel a little more realistic, right? They struggle them, more, you know, like things aren't always just given to them. They're just, they're struggling and they're doing what they need to do to get by. And that's, that's more realistic to me. But I also just really like darker themes as well. So. I think it's a combination of both, but you'll come to learn that we like some um, sad, dark, and twisted stories. <laughs> and we say this, but then we throw in, you know, the housekeeper, the, housekeeper the professor, the yeah, so or things like that. Yeah. It's a balance. <laughs> so we balance it out, okay? I'm not just like <laughs> I'm not the grim reaper here, okay? I I balance it out. <laughs> Would you call Game of Thrones Game of Grimdark or no? Uh, I would say it has a lot of like Grimdark aspects to it for sure. Yeah, I was just curious about that. I don't know if people actually consider Game of Thrones a Grimdark fantasy, but maybe they do. I'm sure I'll find out one day soon for sure. But I would say it definitely has some. Um, some grim dark characteristics to the story. Um, I think my fourth pick. Well, I know what my fourth pick is. I don't know why I'm saying I think. <laughs> it's Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. Oh. This one snuck in at the last second. I think this was the last book that I actually read in 2020. Um, and I've been waiting patiently to read this book all year. But I didn't want to buy the hardcover and I was waiting for like one copy at the library and I was like 17th in line, but I finally got it. And this book was fantastic. Silvia Moreno Garcia is a fantastic author. Um, before I read the book, I listened to her speak on CBC and that was what really catalyzed me to get this in before the end of 2020. And she's wonderfully spoken and she puts a lot of thought and she puts a lot of herself into her books. Um, but yes, essentially Mexican Gothic is about our main character, Noemi, who is the daughter of this pretty wealthy man. And she is sent to go check in on her cousin. I believe it's her cousin who has mysteriously married this man and has kind of fallen off the grid and they live in this, this mansion called the high place at the top of this hill in this very odd town and Noemi travels there and starts to realize that things are going a bit wrong in this house it is quite it's a dark house there's some weird things happening the family's quite weird they are very on edge all the time and she has these sort of very awkward dinners and she starts to have these hallucinations and very weird dreams. And notice that there's this fungus sort of growing all over the house. And everyone in the town seems to think that High Place is this cursed place. So I'll leave it there because I don't want to give away too much. But Spoiling some crazy, 
<laughs> some crazy things happen. <laughs> and um, it's fantastic. When I talked about how I really appreciate atmospheric novels, this is it. Um, it very much touches on a lot of classic Gothic themes as well. I read this after I'd just been studying some Gothic literature in a literature course I was taking for school, and so I was able to pick up on them um, quickly. And it was like very classic Gothic literature, um, which was great because it was it takes the Gothic and kind of flips it on its head and makes it contemporary and makes it non-European, which I appreciated. Um, so it was it was excellent. And yeah, five stars and one of my faves. I have recently downloaded this onto my uh, reading device, and it is on my TBR. I think I'm going to get to this after we finish with The City of Brass, because it sounds up my alley as well, and I am super excited to get to it and give my review back to Ashley of what I think of one of her now favorite books. Yes, this one very much feels like if you took knives out and put like a couple layers more of darkness and weirdness on top of it, it would be this book. <laughs> yeah, and we love Knives, Knives Out. <clears throat> it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Knives Out, I don't know what you're doing with your life, honestly. <laughs> yeah, excellent movie. But um, I guess we're on our favorites of... The year, 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 year. Um, <laughs> uh, first of all, Ashley, do you want to guess what mine is? Your favorite book of the year? Yeah, yeah. actually, that's a good idea. Actually, maybe not, because I have no clue. <laughs> um, you probably guess. You could probably guess. Well, I was surprised that Jade City wasn't on there. Uh, Your top yeah, five. Uh, trust me, it was hard, okay? There's a lot of things I want to put on there. Jade City, The Dragon Republic. Picking five books is really hard, but does doesn't mean they're not good books, everybody. Um, well, you want to do a 21 questions? Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. That sounds like it would end. Sure. See if you can get it. A book version. That sounds great. Okay. Is it fantasy? No. Is it contemporary no is it something that we read together yes oh i know what it is wow okay okay hey, give <laughs> it to me give i know i know what me. it is it's out by natsu okurino ding, 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 ding. knew it playing again once on the dark tones of books <laughs> my favorite book of the year was natsuo was out sorry by natsuo kurino Kirino. Natsuo Kirino. Um, yeah. Where do I even start with this book? Where do you start with this book? <laughs> <laughs> this book is a roller coaster, okay? Um, there's a lot of suspect um, themes. Like, it's not for everybody. I'll say that right now. When I say dark, it's it's got some... It's dark. Like, there's some trigger warnings for sure um but if you can handle these things then this book is the best thriller psychological thriller horror i don't know what it's considered crime book that i've ever read um 
it's basically okay. So a little synopsis here. It's a it's about a young mother who works at a factory. What's the factory do again, Ashley? They make lunch boxes. They make lunch boxes. Thank you. And she's got it tough. And her husband hasn't been helping out. And then all of a sudden, one night, she's had enough. And she kills her husband. That's not a spoiler. That's just where the story begins. Trust me. After that, it's like a <laughs> deep ocean of... They just... It's just... It's a lot. Anyways, she asked her co-worker, the main character I would consider her, uh, Masako Kotori, uh, to help her dispose of the body. So, Masako gets involved in this crazy underground world of crime, Yakuza, uh, and just, it just, it just gets insane like i don't know how to put it it's just without like i can't spoil anything like i don't want to say how they dispose of the body i don't want to say what happens after but the last half of the book is the fastest i've ever read any book in my life i think yeah it's your classic slow burn to like a wildfire for the last hundred pages for a lack of a better word, it's a shit show, okay? And I love it. It's it's that's the only way I can put it. I love stuff like this, and I don't know if there's anything else like remotely close to it. No, it's a unique. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I'll get that anywhere else, but this book is um it's it's some it's it's something special in a weird way, okay? Um I don't know. There's just... They just go into... There's just so many layers of problems and things that they have to persevere through. And it's just uh, so exciting to watch. <laughs> or not watch. It felt like I was watching. <laughs> like, it was basically like a movie, for God's sakes. But it was just so exciting to experience it. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, my personal favorite of the year. And once again, I will say... This will not be for everybody. It's <clears throat> yeah. It's oh, it's a lot. Like when I say it's a lot, it's I don't put that lightly. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of stuff that could that could bother some people. So yeah, don't take that lightly. Trigger warnings for sexual assault, heavy gore. Those are the two biggest ones. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> if those things don't bother you, pick it up. It's a great crime thriller psychological book it's uh it's really good but actually uh, i think i know your answer but please <laughs> <laughs> tell us your um, book of the year 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 <laughs> um yes it's shocking really the memory of police by yoko ogawa is my number one book of the year. This book, Brayden already talked about the synopsis, so I won't go over it again, but I picked this one up because it was shortlisted for the International Booker, and I'd heard a lot of buzz about it um, on BookTube and on some different newspapers and magazines that I was reading, and it caught my eye. But one thing I will say, when you hear about the synopsis, this concept of an island where people are gradually forgetting things, and there's this 
law enforcement that's taking away people who are not able to forget these things. It sounds very clinical, very cut and dry. It's not. But it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. The way that Yoko Ogawa writes the, the objects that are disappearing, it's very poetic and atmospheric. Um, and there's just so many scenes in this book that are so moving. And this book is a literary masterpiece beyond just the subjective experience of being on this island and hearing about the experiences of the people living there. The way this book is written is genius. There's a story within a story, which I thought was amazing. I'd never read anything like it before. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never read anything like it. I, I honestly, for yeah, I forgot to state that in my when I brought it up, but yeah, the story within a story was some something some of the best reading I've I've actually ever read. Yeah, it was. It's very. It's literary. It's literarily smart. I don't know if literarily <laughs> is a word, but it... <laughs> we just created it. It's our word now. <laughs> it's very intelligently written, but it's intelligently written in access in an accessible way, where you can still like you can pick up very easily. I think on the symbolism and what's going on, but it's still it's a bit like I don't know. I felt like reading it was like solving a crossword puzzle or something like that because you have to kind of fit the pieces together, and you can slowly see how things are going to unfold. Um, I should say, if you're a person for neatly tied up endings, this one's probably not for you. I would skip this. No. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're okay with sort of loose ends and an ending that's a bit more up for interpretation then definitely pick this one up it's a fantastic and I have to give my props to whoever did the translation for this book I forget who it is I'm gonna look it up because we need to give them credit because it I can only imagine the it's Stefan Schneider is the translator of this book I can only imagine the translation that took place when he was bringing this book to English audiences. So props to him and also, of course, props to Yoko Ogawa for being such a talented writer. I think this is this is my favorite thing that I've read by her so far, but I haven't read The Housekeeper and the Professor, so we'll see where things go. But fantastic book. It's beautiful. It is. It sort of defies genres, to be honest. Um, it does. Yeah, it's fantastic. It and I've never felt like I was in a world of a book more than when I was reading *The Memory Police*. Moving, beautiful, sad—all of those things sort of wrapped up into one, one book, one lovely masterpiece that also has a beautiful cover to tie a nice bow on everything. <laughs> <laughs> the covers are important, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. That's. Well, that's our top five of 2020. I mean, I'm looking back at my books, and it's literally three fantasy books and then two uh, Japanese-translated books. So that should give you an idea <laughs> of the type of books that I thoroughly that... enjoy. I was surprised. My top five was actually decently diverse genre-wise. Two classics, 
a fantasy, a contemporary, and the genreless memory police, but speculative fiction is how it's categorized technically. Um, but yeah, so that concludes our favorite books of the year. We hope you enjoyed. I should also mention, which I didn't at the beginning, I run a blog. If you feel like checking that out, it is www.bellablog.ca. And I post lots of book-related content there. I'm doing a translated tales series right now where I'm reading translated fiction from a different language every month. So if that is of interest to you, please check it out. I will also link it in the show notes. And we'll link uh, Brayden and I's social media down below. Actually, I said that without asking if you wanted your social media released. <laughs> um, it's okay if you don't. It's you know okay. what? We're going to have a special social media created <laughs> yes. for all of our uh, hopefully future listeners to follow us on. And that's probably what we will be posting mostly on. We can, We will post our personal personal social media as well there's nothing wrong with that but our show is not done yet because we need to do the beer review oh my gosh how could i forget oh, i'm disgusted the with myself beer review tell us about Would you your like beer? to start oh, no okay. i want you to start i want to hear about no. the lumberjack beer i will start with the canuck pale ale thank you Wow, this beer tasted like a pale ale, okay? You know what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's just me, but I think almost every single pale ale tastes the same. And not like exactly the same, but they all have the pale ale taste, and you, you all know what I'm talking about. But did I enjoy this? Yes, well, because I do like pale ales, so (laughs) I did enjoy it. Would I buy it again? Probably, I'm going to say probably not. It it was good, but it's not my favorite. Uh, There's other craft beers out there that I like more, and even though I just said all the pale ales taste similar, there are other pale ales that I enjoy more as well. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, all in all, I give this, uh, I give this beverage a three out of five. We're going to do a five-star rating system. And three is good, okay? Three is good. Four is friggin' good. And five fantastic okay (laughs) that's our rating system okay sounds like a plan so as i mentioned at the beginning i've had this beer before so i'm cheating a little bit cheater but cheater this beer is delicious it's so good i don't know if it's available on the east coast or in ontario um but it's delicious it's it does taste a bit like orange. I don't know where the creamsicle or dreamsicle flavor comes from. I don't know where the dessert part comes from. But it's just a good solid sour. It's great. You'll probably notice that I review almost all sours exclusively because that's the type of beer that I like. <laughs> she might break out of her shell and try something different eventually, though. So you never know. 
you never know. But yes. <laughs> she doesn't seem this so is... sad about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. This is... We might have to do, uh, like, wine slash beer for that if you want me to branch out. <laughs> okay, yeah. She's not a fan of actual beer, so... That's okay, though. We'll <laughs> accept the... She'll be called the Sour Queen. <laughs> oh, gosh. But if you missed the title at the beginning, this is Orange Dreams of Cold Dessert Sour from Russell Brewing Company. And I found out, because I was reading the can, that it's from Surrey, B.C., so check this out if you can find it near you. Mm, yeah, I mean, with that beer review wrapped up, that will... Oh, oh she's I didn't give my something. stars. Oh, yeah, she's going to give her stars. Sorry, it's five out of five. It's delicious. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> okay, now that our beer review is officially <laughs> wrapped up, that officially wraps up our first episode of Pour Over the Pages podcast i hope that you enjoyed this first episode uh we have a lot of fun different content to come out in the future we are going to aim for a bi-weekly episode i'm thinking ashley confirm or deny confirming on my end bi-weekly <laughs> <laughs> but we are both so that's what we're going to try we are both students so please bear with us yeah <laughs> so you can expect episodes bi-weekly and um, I'm thinking one of each of the episodes are going to be on the monthly book that we read in, in our book club that we need more members in. Um, and our the other episode of the month will probably be something a little more unique based. Yeah. So one per month, you can expect one book club book club episode and one creative episode that we will to your spotify slash apple podcasts slash wherever you get your podcasts <laughs> goodbye <laughs>